This is the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agribusiness. If you're curious about innovations in ag tech, rural entrepreneurship, ag sustainability, or food security, this is the show for you. Let's get started. Hey there, how's it going? Thanks so much for downloading this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hammerich. I am an ag recruiter. So if you know anybody looking to hire or be hired in ag tech or agribusiness, send me an email, tim at aggrad.com. This show is a part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network. So if you like ag podcasts like this one and also vlogs and blogs, head over to farmruralag.com and check out some great ones over there. Well, it will come as no surprise to you if you've been listening to the last uh, dozen or so episodes that I've become curious, I would say interested in exploring opportunities that may exist now and into the future when it comes to more direct-to-consumer agriculture. I think this is a culmination of several things. Number one, just the disconnect that we hear in so many different contexts, such as you know, consumer not understanding where their food comes from, how it's grown, or what a label means to um, more practical contexts, such as the fact that technology could and should enable a farmer to have more power, to more say over uh, how they grow their crops and how they market their crops and how they sell them, even if they may be some distance away from their customer base. So anyway, all, all of these sort of thoughts have been swirling around in my head and they've, they've culminated in the form of the five minute farmer segment that you've heard on recent episodes. Uh, do plan to continue to sort of roll that out based on the positive feedback I've been getting and just kind of thinking about this. What, what does the future of agriculture look like if technology does enable more farmers to sell direct? And in that research I was doing, I came across the website for this company that we're featuring here today called Farmed. It's F A R M D. Technically, it's apostrophe D, but if you're going to go to the website, it's F A R M D dot com. Uh, what they do is they enable farmers within a four hour radius of right now Atlanta uh, to sell directly to food service customers. Their founder and CEO, who's on the show here today, Chris Damico, comes from a food service background, and he realized that uh, the sourcing was kind of all over the pr place. The prices that uh, food service, so think restaurants and institutional sort of food service companies were paying was all over the place. And there was no sort of transparency in the process either to those individuals that were buying, like chefs, or to the end consumer that was actually eating um, whatever it was that was going through this food service process. And through seeing all of these issues related to price and transparency and logistics, he started to develop the thesis that he could form a company that handled the marketing and logistics on the part of a farmer to enable them to sell direct. So they have an online marketplace at farmed.com. Uh, and then they also provide the actual logistics to pick up the products and deliver them to uh, chefs and, and restaurants and food service type companies. So really interesting concept right now. They're in Atlanta with plans to expand elsewhere and uh, was a treat to talk to Chris and hear sort of how he perceives the problems related to our food system and the solutions. Um, and I'll give you a hint. It has a lot to do with more farmers selling direct. Here's my conversation with Chris Damico, founder and CEO of Farmed. He's going to start off by telling us a little bit about how he sort of stumbled onto the issues related to sourcing food in the food service industry. Um, I think pricing was probably the biggest issue. It was mostly produce that I was looking at, even though we were buying chicken and a lot of other things. But the concept started to really resonate with me when there was a spreadsheet 
that all of the units, all the stores had listed, you know, their stores. And then atop the across the spreadsheet was all of the specs of what we were buying. And these were stores that were all over the Southeast. And so everybody was filling in the spreadsheet and every, every tab was a week. You know, you could look at it and see what other people were paying. Well, it dawned on me that, you know, it was just absolutely all over the board. There was no rhyme or reason, and one person's paying one price for tomatoes or apples, and the next person, you know, we even had multiple stores that were buying and paying separate, two different prices. So anyway, that's really where it started. I had a very good friend of mine, a business partner that was a fourth generation farm family, very connected in the agriculture community here in the state of Georgia started talking to the farmers directly and realized that, you know, there was an even bigger problem. Again, first problem, none of the chefs, none of the food service companies are connected to farms. They don't know where the food's coming in, but we have all this food around us. So I started talking to the food sources directly and figured out that, you know, they only made 14 cents on, on average, you know, the food dollar. That's when it started really becoming a passion for me. Uh, wanting to redefine the way that the supply chain works, put farmers first and not last in the system. And, and that's really how this all started. And what's that look like to, to put farmers first? How, how, do, how does that work on, on your end? You know, farmers come onto our platform, doesn't cost them anything, and essentially they put their goods up on consignment. Uh, they put them on the marketplace like you would on eBay or some other marketplaces, Amazon, and we bring chefs in and food service buyers. Could be restaurant, it could be school, could be senior care, it could be you know various food buyers. We have large catering groups, the governor's mansion, some bigger companies. Uh, Club Corp has been buying some product here locally on the platform. So we just say that, you know, we don't sell food, farmers do. So here's the farmers that sell food within a four hour radius of you and want to sell to you directly. And that's how we do it. So we cut out the the middlemen uh, is essentially what we do. And we're a a technology platform. It's really a supply chain as a service. And again, sales and logistics, those are the two things we simplify and and streamline to be able to allow farmers to get their product direct to the source. Uh, or to the buyer so that they can keep the margin as opposed to it's getting eaten up in the supply chain with all the different middlemen and different hands in the pot. Pretty simple thesis. Food's here, people are here, put them together and source as locally as possible and work your way out versus the system is really backwards. Yeah, that makes sense. At what point does a farmer post something on the marketplace or list something on the marketplace? Do they wait till they harvest and then take a picture and put it on there kind of like you would in eBay? Or is it more like, hey, in in three months, I'm going to have a uh, steer ready to butcher and, and you know, I'll have uh, X number of meat or, you know, I, I'm using those as random examples. But at what point does that happen? All of our SKUs are live. So the farmers control quantity, pricing, all of that in their, you know, admin screen. So the products that they put on there, they may put all their SKUs on there, but then when they go to the quantities, they put zero because they don't have it, but they can put future products. So it gives them the ability to show the marketplace, the community, 
that I have uh, other products that may be available, you know, check back. How about on the other side for the for the restaurant or food service uh, customer? Are they looking to get something bought today and delivered tomorrow, um, or are they planning out and trying trying to look for more of a long term relationship with these farmers? I think both. I think we serve both sides of that. I think we have chefs that absolutely have uh, are looking for long term relationships, especially in the protein area with beef and seafood, as an example, dairy. So, yeah, that's that's definitely a big part of it. But then we also have chefs that time is is of the essence as well. And they want both and they deserve both, really. Right. So, yeah, the on-demand nature of everything else in our lives applies to chefs in the kitchen just as well. So we really approach the whole logistics problem with, again, we're a last mile logistics company. That's what we do. Or we, we're a platform, I should say, that supports the last mile logistics, the technology behind it, because we don't actually own any trucks or warehouses. That the drivers are all independent drivers, owner-operator, refrigerated drivers. So they're part of the community to get the food from the farm to the restaurant. This is important. But yeah, so on demand, getting food faster. We do have a whole line of dairy products that are on demand or or next day i should say we also have produce next day so farmers can take skews again it depends on when they want to make those skews available i think the biggest thing is getting farmers prepared for selling direct because it's not something they've ever done they may have some retail uh, experience or they maybe they were at the farmer's market and a lot of these farmers we've seen especially the smaller farmers have restaurant customers, for example, right? But they're, they're doing the deliveries themselves and they're trying to manage the billing, invoicing, and chasing checks. So again, it's already happening. It's just disconnected. So by connecting that and creating more synergies and aggregation and orders, deliveries, so that everybody gets to take advantage of the economies of scale, you're able to do things faster and it requires the farms to think differently at the end of the day. They have to think, I am my own brand, I'm gonna sell direct, and the services exist that I can get my, my, not only my brand out there, but I can get my product to my customer, and I can keep that margin. And that's just direct sourcing model versus indirect, right? But I, I believe at the end of the day, that wins, because while everybody's trying to figure out traceability software, you're tracing traceability because we don't know where any of the food's coming from. If we knew where the food was coming from and we were getting it direct, that's how we'd know, we would need traceability software, right? So that traceability is already built into our platform automatically. You bought from the farm, there it is, that's who they are, it came directly to you, right? And, and that's, I think, the future of agriculture. So I know on the purchaser side, so the food service and restaurant, essentially, if they start using your platform, theoretically, this would be displacing more your more traditional distributors, you know, your Cisco's of the world, et cetera. What about on the producer side? You know, where were they going before? You'd mentioned some of them were doing maybe uh, farmers markets or possibly CSAs, or is this kind of new production? You know, what, what were they doing before farms came around? Well, we have a wide range of farmers that we work with. 
from highly organic niche produce, small farm to all the way to FPL in Augusta, Georgia, that processes a thousand head of cattle a day. Mm-hmm. So it depends, depends on the farmer. But what resonates with all farmers, regardless of size, is anytime they can sell direct and make more money, count them in. So that's been our experience with the farming community so far. So, so with FPL, are they producing their own cattle or are they just able to tell you where the beef came from? How, how does that part work? Yeah, they're, they're, they have their own herds. They have okay. uh, their own processing. Everything's verticalized. We have several. Uh, Wayne's Farm Chicken is an example. Fully verticalized farm. White Oak Pastures in South Georgia, another ver- fully verticalized farm. So, um, you know, any, any protein production that's being done from pasture to to primal cuts, that's, that's who we're working with. Okay. And, it, and just to make sure I understand the, the way it works is uh, the food service person or, or restaurant buyer chef would, would buy directly from these entities through farmed as an intermediary that handles the transaction and the delivery. Exactly. And do you all warehouse any of these products or th- that all happen at no. the farm level? Yeah, the farm is the warehouse. Right. So if we're picking up from a farm, from multiple farms, all we're doing is aggregating all those farmers orders down to the actual endpoint delivery. Right. That is last mile. So right. when you remove the warehouse, there is no first mile. So all the optimization is able to start from the farm to the endpoint. Right. Okay. Sure. That makes sense. Well, well, tell us about kind of more the, the business side, you know, when, when you thought, Hey, there is a real opportunity here to start connecting, um, you know, the local food system directly, you, you know, what, what was, what was step one for you? And I, I guess, take us back to that time when it was and uh, how farmed sort of first got started. Well, we really, um, you know, simultaneously went out and started talking about the problems that we wanted to solve. You know, 85% of chefs are not connected to local farm communities and farmers are only getting 14 cents on average of the food dollar. So that just resonates with people. And I think this community, and we call them the heroes of the community, right? But they're just naturally gravitate towards each other. And so the more we got out and talked about those problems and, and, and you know, the solution that farms wanted to bring to the table. So really, we brought both on simultaneously over about a six-month period just talking to chefs, talking to farmers. We continue to get introduced to farmers from other farmers and it's just built from there. But, you know, going into new markets, uh, we will bring the farm supply in before we hit a new market. So we'll only be working on the buyer side, but to start no, it was really simultaneously. Why the technology element? I'm just curious about, you know, essentially you could sort of serve as a, as a broker. We're just kind of connecting these farmers to to the the, the customer and, and then facilitating the logistics, which you do anyway. You know, why is the market, the online marketplace part important? Oh, it's huge. I mean, I think it's everything. The data between what's being bought and what's being sold helps both sides of the marketplace it helps the marketplace become more valuable to both parties, hmm. right? That's the true network effect of a marketplace, a, a, a real marketplace where both sides benefit. And as more people join either side, it 
becomes overall more valuable. And so I think this information, you know, helping people figure out farmers specifically what they should be selling and buyers, you know, what they should be buying and connecting and triangulating all that data has huge implications for the food supply system. Huge. If you connect it all, you know, there's a lot more food that you could start to grow around the city centers. And so as you do that, it's based on demand and supply and demand matching, really. And, and that's where the marketplace comes into play. Sure. And do these participants pay a membership to be on the marketplace or, or how does Farm to make money? Yeah, so Farm charges a 23% fee on anything that's sold in the marketplace. Again, remember the farmers set the pricing. So they know their payout. They know the farm fees, the 23%. And we break that down into 10% farmed commission, 10% logistics fee, and 3% credit card ACH transaction fee. So all of that is included in that 23%. Um, and so the farm gets paid on the first of the month. That's when all the credit cards and transactions run. And you know we're paying those farms uh, on a monthly, every 30 days, on time, every time, guaranteed. As opposed to doing different payment terms, having a multi-tiered system or multi-term system, right? This is the way it works. And that's how the billing and the payment system is built in the background. So you're collecting payment from the food, from the food service customer, and then you're paying the farmer. Correct. Okay. And so that counterparty risk, as far as like the receivables risk, uh, then the farmer doesn't have to take that. It sounds like. That's right. We're taking the, the, the accounts receivable risk. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about the, you know, the investment side as far as uh, obviously, you know, getting something like this off the ground does require some capital. How have you handled that side of things? Well, we've been fortunate to have uh, a great group of angel investors here in Atlanta um, that I've known, uh, my partners have known just within our network. You know, we are actively talking to professional money uh, in the venture capital community. You know, we're looking at all options right now. We have a playbook. We want to expand, you know, our geographical footprint and launch that playbook. And, um, you know, we're really gearing up for the next 10 to 12 months to make that happen. Gotcha. One question I always love to ask uh, startup entrepreneurs when I can have them on the show, because sometimes the answer is not what not what most people would think the answer would be, which is, uh, the question is this, what, what's the hardest part about this, about pulling this off? What's the hardest part? The technology. You know, you have to meet customers, farmers and chefs and drivers where they are. You can't come in and be process disruptive, leveraging technology effectively, unless you really understand where the process is today and what's possible and what's not. And so that balance, we're light years ahead. Uh, I mean, farmers specifically, right? One of the things we looked at was, did farmers have a Facebook page or a website they're managing? Well, that's only really been true in the last few years. Or does every farmer have a smartphone? Well, that's probably only been true for the last two or three years. So you got to understand there's pieces of this that you have to look at. A lot of it's technology, behavior, um, you know, things that, that, that technology can, can simplify. But 
if the technology is not right at the right time, it's not going to work. So I think that balance has been the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I, I could see where that would be the challenge. What do you look for in a farmer that's going to succeed on your platform? I imagine it's probably a good fit for some, but maybe not for others. What what have you noticed about the types of farmers that really dig in and love uh, marketing their production this way? Uh, you know, it depends. I think because protein versus produce, you know, is going to be a different answer. But you know, we have. For example, Purdue Family Farms in South Georgia and Tyler, Georgia, blackberries. And that's Dan Purdue, Sonny Purdue's son. Very sophisticated blackberry farmer, in my opinion. And he would use farms for a very specific time, and then he wouldn't. Where we have other farmers that are using us year-round. So it just depends. But you know, I think that for the bigger farmers, we are an additional sales channel to help them put their product out. For seasonal or smaller farmers, you know, we're a much needed sales channel. Takes a lot of stress off of them when they don't have to do the delivery. They don't have to worry about collecting money. They don't have to find new customers. That becomes a big deal. So if you can forego having to go to the farmer's market on Sunday because you've replaced that with farmed revenue, then that's a good thing. Is there a risk here or is this anything that would even need to be worried about, about, you know, you connecting a farmer with, with a food service or restaurant chef, et cetera, and them saying, okay, yeah, we, we like them. We like, we like their produce. And so uh, we're just going to start buying from them direct and kind of lining up their own logistics. Is that, is that anything to be worried about here or is there kind of a fail safe for that? Well, you get back to nobody wants to do the logistics. So again, farmers are already doing that. Right. You, you fall right back into, you know, who's sending the invoice now? Where's the paperwork? Who's checking the email? I mean, you're just getting right back to the where we're at. But sure, you know, I, I don't think that for the scale that we're trying to accomplish, you know, that, 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 that again, because the, the, the service is part of it is logistics uh, and it is sales. And those are the two things that nobody wants to do, especially the farmer. It's just too much time. It doesn't, farmers want to farm. They don't want to chase paper and, you know, worry about sending delivery drivers to Metro Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, Chris, I, I really appreciate you you doing this. It's it's certainly an interesting concept and one that really kind of turns the, you know, what we know about about the food supply chain on its head and saying, okay, well, what if it were possible just for farmers to connect directly with the the end user of their product? I think there's a lot of implications here beyond just solving the pain points of sales and logistics in terms of just general connection and the feedback loop that can exist uh, between a farmer and a, you know, and a, a buyer um, and how they can sort of help support each other no matter what comes along. So I think it's pretty cool. So I appreciate you being on here. If, uh, if anyone wants to learn more about Farmed or the work you're doing, where's a good place to send them? Farm.com. So F-A-R-M-D.com. Also uh, check us out on Instagram at Get Farmed and Facebook as well. So we've got a lot of hero stories. We talk a lot about the food community heroes, which are the farmers, the chefs. We're going to be uh, adding our drivers on there. And I'm excited about that. And so, yeah, we got a lot of stories out on uh, our blog, on our, our website, as well as out on social media. So, again, always want to lift up the farmer 
and the chef, the entrepreneurs, uh, the original entrepreneurs of the world. Uh, and don't forget, we're supposed to be close to food. That's how God intended it. And, and so, you know, this isn't a new concept, in my opinion, how it all started. So just trying to get back to that point. So thanks. Appreciate what you're doing. And uh, I love uh, listening to the show. And thank you. Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate it. Hey, I, I have to, I, I don't ever let a guest escape without asking at least one dumb question. And I'm not sure how many I got in on yeah. this episode. So let me ask one dumb <laughs> question here. The trucks themselves, are we talking like regular semis? Are these more of your smaller, more compact delivery trucks? I'm just wondering what I should have yeah. in mind as far as your transportation. No, I, I, and we didn't talk about that, but no, of course. I mean, the way the system is today, you know, you've got first mile assets trying to do last mile delivery. And then I don't know if you've ever seen a Cisco 18 wheeler driving through Metro city center, but everybody's seen it. And they're trying to get smaller trucks, but they own all these trucks. And so it's hard, but you know, we're, most of our drivers are driving refrigerated vans. In fact, we've got a couple drivers that have slightly larger vehicles than that, but no, again, we're last mile logistics. Uh, logistics focus and that's the model that we're building so the 18 wheeler trying to deliver to the highly dense city center just isn't sustainable if you ask me yeah makes sense makes a lot definitely of sense not, definitely not the most efficient effective way right right great chris well i, I appreciate this I, I know you're really busy and you've got a lot going on so I, I appreciate you taking time for the interview um and looking forward to sharing this with everybody Thanks so much. Thank you one more time to Chris for being on the show. Highly encourage you to check out what they're doing over at farmed.com. Uh, I thought it was interesting how they are not only buying from small local producers, but also some very big names in there. I mean, everything from FPL, which is a very large meat vertically integrated meat company to Wayne Farms, um, definitely some of the larger companies as well. But if they're able to provide the transparency, and I think that's kind of my whole point with this direct-to-consumer thing, is we have to get out of the mindset that it's just for sort of a corner lot, small organic garden. There's nothing wrong with those. I think that's an important part of the future of agriculture. But as we all know, for the system to really sustain itself, in general, it's also got to include some of these larger operations uh, as well. And I, I think Farms model that can kind of incorporate both and still bring the transparency and logistics and marketing to the equation. Certainly an interesting model, and I'm excited to see uh, where they go, especially as they expand to other geographies. I want to thank my good friend Joel for making this guest today here happen. I uh, reached out to Joel when I found out there was a connection, and, and he connected me to Chris, which is um, very, very appreciated. And for any of you, if you have a guest, if you're a listener and you kind of know the type of content we like to feature on the show and you have a guest that you think should be on here, feel free anytime to send me an email Tim at aggrad.com. Also want to thank a recent iTunes reviewer in JGP55. JGP's review says the title is really insightful content. I'm an early stage VC investor trying to broaden my knowledge of the agricultural industry and issues. This is the best podcast I've found on both broad ag subjects and how the industry is changing and being disrupted. I learn at least one thing from every episode. Hey, JGP55, thanks so much for leaving that review. Hope you learned one thing on this episode. And if you're listening and haven't yet left a rating review on iTunes, it is much appreciated. I would love to uh, see that come across my 
app, but also help spread the word to other people who might be interested in agriculturally related content. And shoot, would even love to read it here on this show. So take the 30 seconds if you don't mind, leave one there. But thank you so much for your time and your attention, your interest in agricultural innovation. I really love doing the show and, and couldn't do it without your feedback and your encouragement to keep going. Uh, we'll be back next week with an, another agricultural innovator. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast. If you like what you heard here today, I'd love to connect with you further. Go over to futureofag.com. That's futureofag.com. And let me know a good email address for you so we can keep in touch. Also, you'll be able to check out a ton of bonus content on the blog while you're there. Otherwise, make sure you're subscribed to the show so you can catch another fascinating ag innovator here next week.